I, we're looking to the future what AI regulation would look like. It should be something that looks like warning labels on a pack of cigarettes today. I think there should be tools available to society to identify where and when you are being influenced by AI. Hello and welcome back to Corvinus Business Intelligent. We're just delighted to have back with us today Chris Mathiasen, the General Manager of Microsoft Hungary. My name is Theodore Boone. I'm a member of the faculty here at Corvinus University School of Business in Budapest, Hungary. My co-host for today's program is Adam Herzeg, a student in our business school. I would like to thank our two wonderful sponsors and distributors, the Budapest Business Journal and Unilife dot h u chris thank you again for joining us today my pleasure again chris we were discussing the wonderful world of artificial intelligence and as you mentioned perhaps better termed machine learning and i would like to get into this fascinating i think difficult subject of ethics and artificial intelligence one thing i read a few months ago which just fascinated me was the vatican signed an agreement with Microsoft and IBM on general principles of ethics and AI. And first of all, I didn't realize, honestly, that the Vatican signed agreements with private companies <clears throat> like that, but apparently they do because they did. Uh, so I'd like to just get your general reaction to this whole question of ethics and artificial intelligence, and then we'll explore it more, mm -hmm. more deeply. Before I joined Microsoft a couple of years ago now, I think I was more concerned say the questions of AI becoming general AI, uh, sort of conscious AI, and I think I was less concerned about what it does today. I think after a couple of years of intensive experience in it now, I would say that I'm probably less concerned about, about AI becoming conscious in some way, so I'm less concerned about general artificial intelligence, but what artificial intelligence can do already today and is doing today I think that is something that we all have to be aware of and keep our eye on. And that really was one of the purposes behind the agreement with the Vatican that you point out to. So we are already subject to decisions made by AI in many, many walks of life. You know, what you see when you go on, on social media, uh, what you see or do not see is dictated by algorithms, by social media companies, and that directs your thinking. And if you're not sufficiently aware of that, then that's a social vulnerability that we have. Microsoft, in particular, we're really putting a lot of attention on the implications of machine vision. So facial recognition, in particular, the social and ethical implications of widespread facial recognition and machine vision. So what machines can see and recognize and transmit through algorithms and the like, these are very, very powerful tools that exist today and we do have to focus on how responsibly we use those tools. So do you think like we could restrict AI from becoming smarter than humans? Or like, do we have uh, measures to keep the AI dumber? Or do you think it's an inevitable process that the AI will become smarter than humans? Well, it depends what you think about as smarter. Again, I'm not so concerned as I used to be about general intelligence. So an AI, can be better at making certain decisions than, than human beings can. 
AI can look at hundreds of thousands of x-rays in a few minutes and detect patterns in those x-rays that a human already cannot, which for specific functions, for specific uses, AI is already a lot smarter than we are in a lot of ways. But can an AI integrate all this and decide for itself what it needs to look at and what does that actually mean and have an opinion on what it should be doing with it? I think that day is still pretty far away, which is why I say I'm a little less concerned about the overall general intelligence of an AI system, but the capabilities that AI already has today are something we need to be much more aware of than we are today. You say that we could be led by AI, or like, what do you think the AI's future will be in our society? You know, I think if I were to look into the future, what AI regulation would look like, it should be something that looks like warning labels on a pack of cigarettes today. I think there should be tools available to society to identify where and when you are being influenced by AI. Because whether you're aware of it or not, today you are being influenced by AI right now. And I think the more people are aware of that and at least have their attention called to it, I think that can help. Whether we can stop technological progress and make it dumber, I don't think that's in the cards. I think AI is with us to stay. And coming back to your example of AI being utilized to read, say, thousands or millions of x-rays to help make a diagnosis on a specific case, yep. that also raises an interesting question because the AI, say, gets you from the one x-ray to the diagnosis or the identification, so it gets you from A to M, and then the doctor says, okay, here's the situation with M, and let's say there's a problem with that result or potential problem, then the question is, well, who is at fault? Is it the doctor at fault or is it the AI that it's at fault? And if it's the kind of machine learning where it would be very difficult to actually trace the A, B, C, D, E going up to get to the M, then you know who's at fault? Is it some original programmer? You can't actually just point to the mechanics that resulted in the conclusion. So what do you think about those kind of questions? The area of legal liability uh, when it comes to AI, how AI is being used, where machine responsibility ends and human responsibility begins, I think this is one of those areas that is being mapped out in real time right now. I don't presume to have an answer for that for each case, whether it's medical liability, which is what you're implying right now, or public safety liability. There's the bus and the baby problem. is The classic example that's given of an ethical dilemma for AI. If the machine can determine if the bus turns left and crashes into a bunch of school children or it kills the driver, on what basis does it make that decision and who ultimately is responsible for that? I think that's still to be determined in a number of courts in a number of countries still. Yeah, there's a website called the MIT Moral Machine, the MIT Moral Machine, yep. where they have about 30 scenarios like that, and you can pick and choose, and then you get the results, and those are integrated in. And it's very interesting, the results, because it's turned out that where you are in the world, where perhaps cultures are different, end yep. up with different <clears throat> results on what is the appropriate ethical decision as mm -hmm. to the bus should turn left or the bus should turn right. Adam, please go ahead. On LinkedIn, I have read one of your articles in which you said that the AI talent pool is small in Europe compared to the US. Like, uh, is Microsoft being an American company different in that sense? Do you have uh, many AI developers? 
Microsoft does have quite a few AI developers, and we don't have them just in the U.S., so we have AI developers all around the world. You know, AI is a super interesting topic in that regard because there are basically two countries that have developed a capability in AI far and above almost anywhere else on the planet. That's the U.S. and China. AI does thrive in an environment where you have access to and where you can create really, really large data sets. So maybe it shouldn't be a surprise that AI capabilities have developed in the truly large, sophisticated economies in the world. Having said that, talent is attracted to an environment where it's going to be able to do the most. So there could be a lot of European, including Hungarian, talent in AI. But if you want to develop an AI, you've got to make use of your talents in a kind of ecosystem where that is going to be valued and you're going to be able to develop to the full potential. And in Europe, so far that sort of capability is lagging behind the U.S. in several aspects. I have to say Microsoft puts really a lot of emphasis on skilling, training, education, specifically in AI. We put tremendous importance on that. So we support a number of Hungarian universities in basic AI research. We have AI knowledge centers in six or seven universities now in Hungary. Making up for that gap through education is really got to be the first and the most essential step. In terms of your own personnel, somebody who joins you and say, not straight out of school, two or three years experience, but not directly with Microsoft, how long would you say it takes them? As you said, it sounds like there's a lot to learn to really ramp up. Is it a year or more? Well, you know, there's not just one level of expertise. So the whole AI revolution started with something used to be called big data. Before it was called AI or machine learning, it was called big data. A lot of companies, including the company I used to manage, we had a, a major big data effort. And the task at the time was to hire a small number of super highly qualified data scientists. And worldwide, there's a huge demand for you know, really sophisticated, top-notch data scientists. And I think that's going to remain with us for a while. But getting a company to use AI intelligently for real business purposes doesn't just involve having you know, half a dozen data geniuses on board. What Microsoft, what we try to do is to build AI tools into our platform that ordinary mortals who are not data scientists can use. So we call this low-code or no-code solutions. So there are tools within our platform that a marketing manager or an HR director or a warehouse manager can use for themselves. You can use these tools to learn how to incorporate AI and data into your ordinary job. For a company organization to become smarter in how to use AI, it's not just hiring a few geniuses to tell everybody else what to do. There are ways that you can train large portions of your workforce to use those tools. Following up on that comment, uh, I'll ask you about that those kind of developments in uh, an area near and dear to my heart, the university setting. How would you suggest if a university uh, can augment its capabilities through the use of the kinds of products and services and advice to a certain extent that Microsoft can provide. What are some things that occur to you in that area? In, in a university setting? Yeah, if a university came, would it be bringing in new students? Would it be curriculum well, here's, development? Here's, here's where having this democratization approach is useful because you can have a data scientist 
advising a university and showing a grand theory behind using data and AI. But it's going to take an instructor or a researcher to learn something about AI, and that person is going to be able to figure out what's the use case. So you could have an instructor in a business school setting. He or she could have the idea that, oh, let's measure the effectiveness of our coursework. Let's write a quick application to use the camera on the laptop to figure out where on the screen you know, a reader of a certain article or a presentation, where they're spending time on the screen, what's the part that's most interesting, where in the text is somebody scrolling backwards to see if they really understood what they just read. These are the kind of things that you can write tools for to help develop the curriculum, to develop the effectiveness of the curriculum. But those are the kind of use cases that maybe the super genius data scientist isn't going to be able to think of, but the instructor on the ground is going to be able to think of, and that's why you need both. Do you think AI has the capabilities to like uh, manipulate people yes. into making decisions, for example, like purchasing decisions or voting decisions or, or anything like I, that? I do, and it, it, it is already happening. That's indisputable. AI determines in advertising, in social media, in many different contexts, you are already, we, not you, we are already being directed in our behavior by AI tools, which is why I think we need something like a nutrition label on a lot of uh, products and services that we have to make us at least aware where AI is being used. Wouldn't that label, I, I get to the point that wouldn't that label be on almost everything? I mean, it's a little bit different that you're using the example in our private podcast on cigarettes. Well, It'd be on cigarettes. Nutrition labels are on all food you buy at the grocery store. So Fair point. Th there could be a lot of nutrition labels uh, on a lot of things. Yes, there could be. Well, we're unfortunately out of time for today, uh, but don't go away for long because Chris Mathiasen, the general manager of Microsoft Hungary, will be back with us. Uh, for the next episode in this podcast series with Chris. I would like to thank very much my co-host for today, Adam Herzeg, a student at Corvinus University. And most of all, I would like to thank you, Chris Mathiasen, General Manager of Microsoft Hungary, for this truly fascinating discussion. We leave you today with these words of Benjamin Franklin. An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. <laughs>